Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. All right, it's Dr. Roto. Get out the insurance cards. Get out the copay. The office is open, my friends. Adam Ronas, the NFL draft has come and gone. And I don't think I've been more disappointed in a draft, let me say, Ever. I'm going to say ever as a Giant fan. Oh, I'm sure. I figured you were, and most of the Giants fans were very upset. I mean, I thought Jones would go to them at 17. Uh, That's what I had in my mock because I figured that they might take a quarterback with one of those two picks. But at six, I was stunned. And I know Gettleman has come out and said he knows for sure there were two other teams that wanted him. I don't believe it. I think you don't know that, that for sure. By the way, you duped. don't know that for sure, right? He got duped. You know, I, we know the Redskins wanted Haskins. I mean, he's from the area; it's clear. So, I don't buy that report. So, yeah, look, we won't know for sure. It doesn't look good now, and maybe down the road we say, "Up, oh, you know, he was right. He got his guy." But to me, the odds are against it. All right. So let me just break down the Gettleman fiasco. Don't tell me you saw his tape. Then you went to the senior, senior Bowl and you watched him on three series and said, that's a pro player. When Duke lost 59-7 to to Wake Forest. I mean, when you can't score against Wake Forest, how are you going to score in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, he didn't have good teammates around him, good offensive line. There were a lot of drop passes. But that's the other thing with Gettleman is the comments and the plan. And just, oh. like, you, you got someone's got to sit there and say, this is really what you're going to say to the media? You sound foolish. You sound foolish. Now, I'm, that's, I'm only getting started here. I'm only getting started with how bad the Giants draft was. At the end of the first round, the Giants trade up. And I'm excited. I'm like, all right. There's, there's Nikhil. There's Carrie out there. There's Harry out there. There's Metcalf out there. There's A.J. Brown out there. Because right now, you've got Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, and you have no third receiver. None. And you trade up and take a guy with an attitude problem as a cornerback when Greedy Williams and all these guys had fallen? Why do you need to make that trade? You could wait seven more picks and get anybody. I don't think you need to trade up in the first round and get a guy who uh, basically scouts say this guy's a bad attitude when you needed a receiver desperately. Yeah, and you just uh, pretty much got rid of someone due to a bad attitude, whatever you want to say. I mean, what other reason were you trading away Odell Beckham? Right, because he's a pain in the butt. Now, I think it's the most important thing. What was the reason why the Giants had a bad offense last year? Major reason. Offensive line. Andy Did they draft? Manning. Right. Well, I'm going to say the offensive line. Did they draft one offensive lineman? They drafted one dude in round seven. You didn't even address your problem of the offensive line. Like, if you moved up, because wasn't Jawan uh, Taylor available? And I thought he they could have really moved up slipped. and gotten him. Yeah, he slipped. I think there was some uh, murmur of him having a knee injury, which I guess is why he slipped. But, yeah, he really fell. 
I'll still, t- I still would take him over the cornerback. If they moved up and got him, I would have said, all right, now, now we got a guy that with, with Solder and we got the guy from Hernandez. I mean, maybe we could protect our investment. You didn't even fix your offensive line. So you get Dexter Lawrence, who had like one and a half sacks last year playing for Clemson. You got a quarterback that nobody else wanted except you, and you trade up for a cornerback. I'm telling you, I believe that Gettleman either works for the Redskins or the Cowboys, and he was put into the Giants' job to screw the Giants forever. Well, uh, D'Angelo Williams said it, too. He's like, you guys are going to find out how bad he is, and so far he's been correct. D'Angelo Williams is a prophet. I'd never thought so before, but this guy's a prophet. And look, I don't, I, I'm not an overreactor, right? I'm one of those guys who actually is patient. Maybe Jones is good. If you had taken him at 17, I don't think I would have said a word. But when Josh, when you have no pass rush, none, you have nobody on that team that could put pressure on the quarterback, and Josh Allen is sitting there at six, and you pass on him? Are you nuts? This guy better be Peyton Manning because otherwise you're a big old idiot. Oh, for sure. He's got to come out and be a starter in the NFL and be good. If not, then you'll be looking back and saying that he set the franchise back, which I think many people expect anyway to happen. Now, the one thing that he said, which I actually think is quite intelligent in a ridiculous way, his comment of maybe Jones doesn't play for three years. Now, hopefully that doesn't happen. But if it did, you'd have to imagine that his second contract would be very under, undervalued. Yeah, I mean, I don't see him not playing for three years. How is that possible? No, but if he did, because, you know, if you play him starting next year, you're going to pay a whole lot of money in five years. If he doesn't play for two or three years, maybe you can manage that contract a little better. Yeah, I don't even think you got – you can't worry. I don't think you can worry about that in the NFL. I mean, your, your goal is to win. It's so difficult to win. You kind of have to take it year by year. Uh, if you're thinking like that, then uh, I, I think it prevents you from winning. If I'm not mistaken, at the end of the day, the Giants traded Odell Beckham Jr. for Jabril Peppers, Dexter Lawrence, and the guy from Old Dominion. If any general manager did that in real life, he'd be fired on the spot. Well, we knew they were never going to get proper return back for Odell Beckham. It just wasn't going to happen. He's a dynamic playmaker. He's a rare talent that you will see. In the NFL, you just you never get proper return for those guys. So you hope to at least come somewhat close, uh, but that's not going to cut it for what they have right now. Well, I will tell you the following. I think the NFC East had some very good drafts. I think the Washington Redskins were on fire in this draft, dude. I think Haskins, Montez Sweat, Terry McLaurin is a Matthew Slater type of guy on special teams. Bryce Love, I think they've got four or five guys who can they, they could plug in next year. I think the Redskins did a great job. They did. I, it sucks to see. Uh, I think last year, too, and they do have some pieces on defense. Uh, obviously, uh, how quickly does Haskins assimilate into the NFL is going to be key. You have to think he's going to start from day one with everything that they have, but they did add some good weapons. Uh, they've had some major issues at the wide receiver position. You know, Josh Doxson is not coming through. Paul Richardson it hasn't lived up to expectations. So you could see these receivers push for playing time. So, yeah, they did a good job considering, uh, you know, what they selected. 
I thought the Eagles did a bang-up job. Andre Dillard, I don't know if you realize this, the Texans were going to take Andre Dillard, and they panicked, panicked when he went to the, to, the, to the Eagles. Then they come back in round two, get Miles Sanders, who I think can start there next year, and then they get the kid from Stanford, R.C. Whiteside, who was a player. I thought they did a very good job in the draft as well. They always do. You know, they know what they're doing. Uh, obviously, we saw it result in a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Had some injuries last year, but they know what they're doing. The issue with Sanders is Philadelphia just likes to go running back by committee. We've just seen it uh, year after year under Doug Peterson. That's just what he tends to do. But what I like about Sanders is there's very little tread on those tires. He played behind Saquon. He had one year. He was really good in that year. I'm with you. I know that they like to play a lot of guys, but talent wins out in the NFL. Jordan Howard is not very good. Maybe he's good at the goal line. He'll be using the goal like a LeGarrette Blunt situation, but I'm playing Miles Sanders as much as possible if I'm an Eagle. That's logic says that. We'll see if they go that route, but you are right. You know, I definitely see Sanders having a bigger role than Jordan Howard and, you know, Clement's still there and Josh Adams and they like to spread it around you know every time we feel like okay we got a guy here in philly it's the same old story so it will make sanders cheap i would think unless something changes in training camp but you do have to keep in mind that peterson likes to go with uh, a committee i think your dallas cowboys did a good job i think this kid tristan hill is a beast 6'3 308 pounds and he moves really well very quick off the ball they got mike weber late who could be a nice backup there for ezekiel elliott the Cowboys always seem to draft guys you don't really know, but they draft guys who end up being very good players. Yeah, that's the one thing about them. They do have good drafts. They've taken chances with some players who have been injured. I mean, Jalen Smith, and obviously that's worked out in a major way. I mean, some of these guys that have had issues off the field, it has not panned out. But they that's the one thing. Over the last few years, they have really done a good job in the draft getting talented players. Uh, but as usual, the coaching staff seems to – be in their way of taking that next step as always well that's true <laughs> Jason Garrett effect uh, I think that the Patriots had a great draft getting Nikhil Harry the last pick of the first round getting Joe Dwan Williams Chase Winovich Damian Harris who made no sense to me but I can't ever I can't ever say anything about the Patriots because they always seem to draft the right players and they get the guy from Auburn Stidham who's a decent enough guy who could be the backup to Tom Brady once again I think the Patriots had a winning day on uh, the Damian Harris pick stunned me because I just didn't think they needed him and obviously if you do like him there could have been way better landing spots but I loved when they got Nikhil Harry. I thought that was a really good pick. And, you know, people have been saying, well, the Patriots never get wide receivers right in the drafts. Well, what if they did this time? You know, just because it, they haven't in the past does not mean you could automatically say that this pick's not going to work. I think it goes into a good situation. We know it's an offense that's difficult to learn, but certainly in dynasty formats, I like them. Uh, of course, Tom Brady, how much longer does he play? But as long as Brady is there, it's good for Harry. I mean, look, you can't just because you miss on a couple of guys doesn't mean that you don't know how to pick a wide receivers. I think Harry's a big target. Maybe he's not the fastest guy, but he's but he's a big target with with a with good hands. I think he's gonna and he was very productive in the Pac twelve, which is a, a good conference. He's six foot four. They obviously need another red zone threat with no Gronkowski there and he could come in there and, and fit that role. Uh, we don't know about Demarius Thomas's health, the status of Josh Gordon. So Harry can be a pretty productive player in the first year. 
I don't think he'll he'll be top thirty five wide receiver, but that's the thing, man. You know, you mentioned it with the you not liking the giant shot. I didn't think this was great for fantasy, especially for redraft leagues, man. Oh, there's, it's terrible. Right? There's, there's, terrible. I was going through it. And oh. I was like, damn, there's no one that I really love here. I mean, the guy that probably gained the most was uh for Oakland, a running back with uh, Josh Jacobs. Yeah, Josh yeah. Jacobs, because he's going to go into a big time role right away. I mean, he should get a ton of touches. I mean, look, there's there's no, A.J. Brown. I like the player. Do I really like Tennessee's offense? No, man. I like D.K. Metcalf. Do I like Seattle's offense? Not really. They don't well, throw the ball that much. Yeah, you're right about that. They don't. But what they do is they take shots deep downfield. And this whole Doug Baldwin thing, that yeah. could really change things and make Metcalf interesting. Because, you know, they do chuck it down the field. And he is... That now we know he's very raw and the hands are still a question mark, but you know, he could fit this uh, offense pretty well. He, he could, I, but but you're but when you go through the list of players, you're right. I could probably find you maybe 10 guys, and I'll, t- I'll say this if you're a good dynasty drafter, there's probably some guys. So I'll give you a guy, Ronas, who nobody's talking about, but I, I've been doing a little thinking about him. I think a guy like Gary Jennings Jr., right, for the Seahawks. He's a fourth-round pick. Maybe we see guys like that emerge, but that's not going to happen for two or three years. You won't realize that Gary Jennings was a good pick right now because I think all the obvious guys are not in great places. No, they're not at all. And I, I do think this is going to be you know, wild for the dynasty rookie drafts because I think it's kind of all over the place. You know, in a lot of years, you know what it's going to be. I don't think you're going to know this year. I think people are going to come in and have their own thoughts and, you know, be higher on a player than everyone else. I think it's going to be all over the place in these rookie drafts. I will say this. I like what the Cardinals are doing. I like Kyler Murray. I like uh, Hakeem Butler. I like Christian Kirk. I like Andy Isabella. I like Larry Fitzgerald. I think the Cardinals are much better today than they were last week at this time. They are, but did they do enough? Or is the offensive line good enough? But let me tell you this. I think one of the reasons why the spread offense has moved into the college football the way it has is because it hides a bad offensive line. Because all you got to do is block for literally two seconds and they get the ball out. And that's what happens because you can't do a seven-step drop anymore. See, that's why the Giants are so outdated. You don't get a quarterback who does a seven-step drop because when your offensive line is putrid, you get sacks. Kyler Murray will not get sacked that often because he's going to get the ball out quickly and he's going to be able to run. And that's what this, year, what this NFL is right now. Yeah, high-octane offense, uh, you know, up-tempo, get rid of the ball quickly. If not, like you said, Murray is going to run. We know he can do that. And it's definitely a big boost for David Johnson. I know we talked about him before the draft, how we thought he might be a little undervalued because I know in some drafts he was going in the second round. That's not going to happen anymore. He's going to move up. Obviously, he's going to benefit a lot from Kyle Murray in this, in this offense. He is a lock for a first-round pick in my book, David Johnson. I don't think you can play in this offense and not be productive. It's going to just spread the ball out. And I think the beauty of, of the Klingsbury offense is that he just doesn't, he doesn't need somebody, and, and, and doesn't need a, a receiver to get 90 targets. And I think Larry Fitzgerald's not at a point in his career where he's going to demand the ball. I think if he gets 60 catches and, and you know, but, uh, Kirk gets 60 catches and Isabella gets 40 and Butler gets 40, everybody eats. Yeah, I think Fitzgerald at this point, it's towards the end of his career. I think, you know, he he would prefer to win, obviously, and he's never been the guy that complains about things. So I think he'll he'd be okay with whatever his stats are if they decline a little bit. 
I think a very underrated draft was the Indianapolis Colts. Rock Yassin is a very good cover guy. Ben Benogu is a good outside linebacker who can rush the quarterback. And I love me some Paris Campbell, Ronis. He is super fast. I think the Colts won big this weekend. Yeah, the Colts, I thought they were going to be a bigger player in free agency because they have a lot of money, but this is a team that's not that far away. You know, they were off to a poor start last year. They finished strong. Yeah, I didn't expect them to win uh, that game against in the playoffs the second round. I uh, just felt like, it, you know, everyone was riding their bandwagon after the finish to the season and, and the first playoff game against the Texans. But uh, there's a lot of talent here, and they got the quarterback. Uh, I think Campbell was a good addition. They picked up Devin Funches, uh so that they, they have some pieces here. And, you know, their defense was much improved as well. So, yeah, I think the Colts are headed in a very positive direction. Darius Leonard was the best defensive player I saw last year. I had him in my IDP league, man. He was a beast. I picked him. Fortunately, I got him like week one, and uh, I never had to take him out of my lineup the rest of the way. He was all over the field, making a ton of tackles and plays. Like I've never seen before. All right, we're going to continue recapping the NFL draft when Scout Fantasy Sports returns right after this. Made Sailors is the leading cleaning service in New York City and Boston. We service homes, offices, corporate apartments, and Airbnb turnarounds. Give us a call or a text at 212-299-5170 to book now. That's 212-299-5170. Use the promo code FNTSY for 15% off your first cleaning. For more information, go to MadeSailors.com. That's MadeSailors.com. What's your IRS problem? Do you owe back taxes? Is there a lien placed on your property? Have your bank accounts been frozen or seized? Have your wages been garnished? Are you being audited by the IRS? Are they sending you letters that demand actions and have urgent due dates? Well, solving your tax problems is as easy as calling Taxes 321. The IRS is the largest collection agency in the world. You need the best representation to give you peace of mind. You need experienced professionals that can cut through the red tape and stop the collection process. If you have a serious problem with the IRS, call the Taxes 321 network today. We'll get them off your back. 800-961-3631 Rain dance! Make it rain! Janikowski retiring after 19 seasons. His partying at Florida State will go down as some of the all-time greatest. And we are talking about situations where flat-out, drunk, loaded, guys having to go back and get him prior to a game and basically dress him, get him out, and he'll go out and go five for five in field goals. One of the best guys ever. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. All right, we're back for Scout Fantasy Sports. I'm Dr. Roto here with Adam Ronis. And so catch it, make it rain with Joe Ranieri and Dane Martinez weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern right here on FNTSY, 
Sports Radio Network as they get you caught up on all the previous night's action and prep for the sports raging day ahead. And if you can get to a computer, tablet, or mobile phone, watch the broadcast on YouTube and participate in the chat room or watch it on Periscope, Twitch TV, or countless of other popular OTT platforms become part of the show. Tune in for the entertainment, the knowledge, and for the extra money put in your pockets. That's Make It Rain with Joe Ranieri and Dane Martinez weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern. Adam Ronas, do you miss waking up at 4.30 a.m. for a 6 a.m. show? Hell no. <laughs> if you got offered to do that job right now, would you say yes? Uh, if the money was right, yeah. Okay, fair enough. It was good to see our friend Don Billions last night, Adam. Yes, Lisa Ann had a role in the show. Uh, this is the third time that she has been referenced on the show, the first time that she's appeared on the screen. But, yeah, Billion's a very popular show, and uh, she was in it last night, so shout-out to her. I know she was really happy about it. She had told me about it. She came to New York to film it in December, never told me exactly what it was, and I knew it was going to be this episode. I just had no idea, so I'm sitting there kind of waiting, like, like, okay, how are they going to incorporate her into this? And then uh, saw how it panned out and uh, very happy for her because she's a huge fan of the show, uh, as we all are. If you go to her Twitter account, you see her taking a picture of Damian, Damian Lewis. Yeah, she had told me she met all of them and everyone was cool. And yeah, it's a great show. Uh, it's kind of weird. I know maybe they didn't know what happened, but... I kind of find it odd that they're going head-to-head against Game of Thrones right now, which is not good. I mean, we do have on-demand, so I didn't realize until the last week or so that it comes out on-demand on Showtime at midnight, Saturday night. Like, Lisa Anna told me about that because they they did that for Power on Stars, and I used to always watch Power midnight uh, with my friend if I was around on that specific night. So that's what I did is uh, when I knew Billions came out uh, midnight Eastern, you know, technically Sunday, I uh, went on demand. And once basketball was over and watched it, this allowed me, obviously, to watch Game of Thrones live because you have to watch Game of Thrones live because everyone is spoiling it on social media. You know, I have to tell you, you know, I've never watched one Game of Thrones episode. When I know. I was on, when I was on Twitter this morning. Every third tweet was about Game of Thrones. Now, luckily, I don't understand anything. It made no sense to me, so I just like, glanced right through it. But, man, this is, this, is, this is bigger than Breaking Bad. This is bigger than The Sopranos. This is bigger than anything I've ever seen on, on Twitter, Ronas. Yeah, I think part of it is because of the social media age we're in now where it wasn't as – when you were discussing those shows, we didn't have the presence of social media that we do now. So I guess The Sopranos would be this big, though. Sopranos would be this big. I think – I think so. I mean, it was a huge show. Breaking Bad was a huge show. But now social media just has such a big presence. And especially for what we do, we're constantly on Twitter for breaking news, you know, uh, injuries. So we see the landscape of it. And I think that's part of it. Look, it's a very good show. I'm not as uh, eccentric about it as so many others where they make it such a big deal. I think it's a very good show and I watch it. Uh, yeah, and last night was a huge uh, a battle, which we knew was based on what happened last week. We knew that was going to happen last night, and uh, yeah, I thought it lived up to expectations. It was a very good episode. So there's only three episodes left in the in the show. I think my my guess is is that billions would never have gone up against Game of Thrones knowingly. Maybe they booked this time slot and HBO because you know does Game of Thrones come out the same time every year? You know, like no, because actually it it was off the air for two years. So right, we've been waiting for a long time. So 
Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they didn't care. Maybe they said, hey, it doesn't matter. Because I guess with those shows, people watch it on demand probably a lot more now anyway with the way television is. So maybe that's why they didn't worry about it. But you have to imagine that live last night, most people were watching oh, Game yeah. of Thrones, which was fine. And even even if that's the case, you could always watch. Well, you could watch right Brilliance after. ten times during the right. week too, and you could yeah. watch it the mid uh, the uh, the West Coast if you have uh, I have West Coast uh, Showtime, so I could watch it at one a.m. You know, I'm up that late, but I'm watching a new show on. Did you, first of all, did you ever watch Banshee? No, I have not. All right, I'm watching this very new show on Cinemax called Warrior, based on Bruce Lee Bruce Lee's writings. It's pretty good. Okay, it's about um, Chinatown and uh, San Francisco Chinatown, back in the like the 18, late eighteen hundreds. So, why have you never watched Game of Thrones? I know you watch a lot of television. I'm a little surprised that you never even like gave it a shot with seeing its popularity. Not that popularity means anything is good, but I just figured you might have your interest peaked. I think in the beginning, I thought it was too much of like a fantasy role play type of scenario thing. You know what I mean? The characters, the whole concept. Mm-hmm. Is that fair to say? Or do I know nothing about what I'm talking about? I yeah, I don't, no, I don't think it's like that. Like, was it kingdoms and this guy going against this guy? I don't know. I didn't know about it. Yeah, it's different families vying for the throne. And there's a lot of... At it, the first episode, you're introduced to so many characters and families. It's kind of overwhelming. I'm like, wait a second. Who's who? <laughs> but as you go... Yeah, it's crazy. I'm like, what? But... uh you know, as it goes along, it, it, it's it's good, man. I mean, there's some just epic episodes uh, throughout the different seasons, and obviously everyone is reacting to last night because it was a huge battle, basically the entire show, and uh, tied up some some loose ends. And I'll say this though, Adam, I, every year or so, maybe every every summer, especially when the kids are away at camp, I, my wife and I will watch a show from scratch. So we watched like all seven seasons of The Wire in a summer or something like that. I wouldn't mind just, you know, now that Game of Thrones is going to be done, just doing it all like that in one shot. Because that way I really get to see the show and I don't have to wait. There's nothing worse than waiting a year, 18 months for The Sopranos to come back. Because I'll tell you, when these shows come back, I don't even remember what happened last last season. Yeah, you, you sit there for those first three minutes where they yeah. recap, like, oh, yeah, oh, that happened, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you, look, there is a, a, a strong case that binge-watching is probably the best thing because you get really anxious to see what's next, and you don't have to worry about waiting a week. And then, as you mentioned, between seasons, you know, seven, eight, nine months, ten months, a year sometimes. Uh, I know Craig Mish recently he binge-watched. binge-watched Game of Thrones. Yeah, like he, yeah, he did loved it. it. Like he it, loved it. Yeah, and he was watching live last night, so... Uh, there Dude, my son, my son binge watched. I tell you about Cobra Kai, the thing that's on YouTube. Yes, yeah, yeah he did. binge watched the second season like in two days. Every time I looked at him, he was like watching his his uh, his phone. And I go, "Did you just finish Cobra Kai?" <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah." I go, "Dude, you just started it like Wednesday. They started on Monday." Dude, binge watch it in two days. Oh, I do that too. Whenever like a show comes out on Netflix and you know it's a new season, it's like twelve episodes. I'll binge watch it. I'll take the whole weekend. I'm like, all right, you know, I'll get all my sports stuff done, fantasy writing. Uh, watch hoops or whatever the sport is that's going on. And then like say it ends at like midnight, 1 a.m. I'll just binge watch for a few hours and then pick it up the next night and a little. Do you watch afternoon. on your iPad? Do you watch on no. your TV? You know, I, I don't I, like watching on my iPad at all. I don't either. It's mostly television and maybe I'll switch. I mean, I will watch some baseball on my computer, like the MLB TV, just because I'll have one game there, one on the screen. But right. as far as watching things, yeah. I mean, I prefer it on the television. Obviously, you know, you got the big screen. I think it's just better to watch that way. But, yeah, I've binge-watched a lot of shows. Uh, and, 
you know, waiting for a few to come back on Netflix, too. What was the name of that show? That It's two seasons. It was a good show. It was reminiscent of Breaking Bad with Jason Bateman. Ozark. Oh, Ozark. Ozark's that, right? awesome, dude. Oh, I love I, Ozark. Have you love seen it? I, when love is the it. next season coming out? It should be pretty soon, right? I think July, June or so, July. I think really? it's, a summer, oh. it's a summer show. Nice. Yeah, that was or so maybe one, September. Man. It was a great show. It's a great. I love that show. That's something I'll definitely binge watch as soon as it comes out because it'll be like 10, 12 episodes and they're about an hour. You can get through that. Yeah. By the way, a little sad news. I don't know if you saw that John Singleton, the director of Boys in the Hood, had a stroke today, Ronis. Right. I mean, there were some reports that said that he had passed, but I know his PR person said it wasn't true, but it doesn't sound like he's in good shape. So I thought you were about to say that he passed and uh, oh, maybe he says, did, but I think he's taken off his life support. Oh, they, so. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing now, too, that he'll be taken off of life support. So you know yeah, he's only the, 51 years old. He looks older, man, right? Oh, I think he's actually passed. Jordan Peele just did an RIP. Yeah, uh, they're saying, yeah, that his family said in a statement they had to take to come off life support. Yeah, and I'm seeing that, too, that they are saying that uh, he has passed. Dude, he was 23 years old when he made Boys in the Hood. Unbelievable, man. That was Could a you imagine? really good I, movie. 23 years old, what were you doing, Ronis? Something stupid, right? Uh, just uh, probably just probably working at Newsday after college, so yeah. Man, I just thought, I th I thought and that was one of the best movies I'd ever seen when I was, when I was young. I thought it was just really well done. Yeah, I am seeing that now. Yeah, 23 years old when he made it. Wow. So, yeah, rest in peace. That was definitely a good movie, man. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's get back to the NFL draft here on us. Were there any teams that you thought outside of the Giants, like, man, this team's draft was just poo-poo on a stick? Um, not terrible? I don't think so. No. Um, no, no one that really stood out where I said that was terrible. You know, it's funny you said that because I, I, I no, I, I had another one that I thought was terrible. I thought the Texans was pretty bad. I thought that Lonnie Johnson was okay. Cahill Waring is going to be good potentially. But I thought a big mistake was made, and I think people should learn this for regular fantasy leagues. They wanted Andre Dillard. He was taking the pick right before him, before they went. And then they ended up taking this kid, Titus Howard, from Alabama State, who was on nobody's radar as a first-round pick. And I think that they panicked. And I think you, when you go and draft, you have to assume that the guy before you is going to snipe you. You've got to have a plan B and a plan C when you're ready to pick. And I think the Texans didn't have one because if I'm them, I'm moving down and I'm getting three or four picks because I could have gotten this guy 12 picks later. Yeah, that is an extremely important lesson to take over into your fantasy drafts, whether it's football, baseball, whatever it is. You do have to have, say you're two picks, there's two picks and then it's you. And you have two guys you want. You better have a third guy in mind. You cannot bank on both those guys going. I remember in a fantasy baseball draft this year, like, I'm like, okay, I need an outfielder. I either want Conforto, Eddie Rosario. Those are the two guys I want. They both went with the two picks in front of me. So I had a quick plan C, which was Nicholas Castellanos. But you have to have it. So uh, it is important. Uh, and yeah, the Texans. You feel like this is a team that can, they never draft well. Yeah, they never they, draft like, well. They could take the next step, but they don't add the right players. Yeah, and look, I, I think the bad GMs shine through. I think the Seahawks had a crappy draft. I'll tell you that. L.J. Collier, 
Nobody had a first-round draft pick grade on this guy. Nobody. If you wanted this guy so badly, move out of the first round, go to the early second. You could have taken the guy. There was nobody but you wanted this guy. So when, when you when people miss that badly, it just tells me you've got a, you've got a front office that doesn't know what they're doing. Well, I could say this team had a bad draft for this year, but you could see what their plan is. That's the Miami Dolphins. Basically, they just traded back and got a lot of picks for next year. So you could see at least the plan is there, that they said, all right, you know what? We're just going to build for next year. We're going to get a ton of picks uh, in the 2020 draft and uh, potentially also maybe get the number one overall pick. So basically, if you're looking at it for this year, their draft sucked. They had six picks, but you see the plan. And that's what you want to see. Is there a plan in place? And with some teams, you look and you go, I don't even know what their plan is. With Miami, you see what it is. Well, I'll say this with Miami. First of all, Christian Wilkins is a beast. He may be one of my favorite players in the draft. He is a leader. He is a great player. And I think Miami added a very good player on their defense, somebody who could lead that defense. They added Michael Dieter, who could be an, who's a guard, who's solid as a rock. And they added Miles Gaskin, who I think is undersized, but I think he could be like a, a, a smaller version of Kenyon Drake, maybe stick around as a third running back. Outside of that, I agree with you. What Miami did that was smart was was that they realized that 2020's draft is going to be way deeper offensively than this year, and they couldn't fix it all. But I got to tell you, I think getting Josh Rosen, getting Wilkins, getting Dieter made that draft. I'll give it a B minus, but it could have been a D. But I think it's a B minus. Yeah, and yeah, no, they uh, they have some pieces to help for the future, which is what they're going for now with Rosen. You never know; maybe he's the answer, and they. Didn't pay much to find out, and we talked about it last week. They owe him $6.3 million over the next three years for a potential starting quarterback, and maybe he's good. You know, I think it's difficult to judge him off of last year. Can I tell you something, though? There's an outside chance Josh Rosen may be traded for a third year. That's true also, yeah. <laughs> that is the other factor, too. So he better get that, uh, that video ready for his uh, gracious departure from Miami. That could, I mean, look, if they go 1 and 15, they're tanking for Tua. Oh, Tua's yeah. He's going to be the number oh, yeah. one pick. Josh Rosen's going to uh, he, Baltimore, baby. See ya. He's, he's got to know that, though. Well, look, I think he has a small window to see whether or not there's any respectability there. Because I think if Miami realizes they're not going to win games, I don't think Brian Flores is going to try to openly lose games, but I don't think he's going to try to actively win games. I think they're going to go 3 and 13. I mean, I think that team really is that bad. And yeah, think, it's not good. Yeah, and you start with Tua, and that's the right move. And I don't know how you move Rosen again. What are you going to get for Rosen? A bucket of balls? Uh, or do you I keep him as a do you keep him as a backup? As a backup, yeah, you could do that again because he doesn't cost you anything. So you get rid of Fitzpatrick. You paid Fitzpatrick for one year. I'll tell you this: I think there's a 50-50 chance that Ryan Fitzpatrick's a starter on opening day. Ah, uh, that is possible as well. But if you wanted to lose, you play Rosen or Fitzpatrick. If you what? If you wanted to lose, who do you play? Uh, yeah, Fitzpatrick. You might be able to lose with both of them, though. But I guess Rosen does have some upside, so there is that possibility that— I thought you could lose more with Rosen than Fitzpatrick, because Fitzpatrick could have a Fitzmagic kind of game. Yeah, but this is not—this uh, is not Tampa Bay. He doesn't have those weapons. He had weapons in Tampa Bay. Mike Evans, Godwin, O.J. Howard. You know, they had up to where are the weapons here, man, unless you feel Devontae Parker's finally going to take that step— uh, you know, Kenny Stills, we know what he is. I mean, th th it's not the same weapons. Can I give you a guy I like on Miami this year? Who? Kalen Ballage. 
I, you, what, what about Drake, man? <laughs> what do we do with Drake? <laughs> I like Kalen Ballage. I think he's too big. Third. I mean, the guy is 6'2", 240. Why are you playing Drake every down? So you, what do you, how do you use Ballage? Like, do you split it with him and Drake? Yes, I do a thunder and lightning. I do an annoying Dion Lewis, Derrick Henry type of thing where I'm just annoying fantasy owners all year long. Yeah. And that's what the Patriots do, and that's where Brian Flores comes from. Yeah, uh, it's a possibility. I think people think that Drake, with uh, them not adding a running back early, that Drake's in good shape, but he frustrated the hell out of fantasy owners last year, and I didn't have him. That's not his fault, though. That was Gase's fault. But maybe, oh, of course. Or how about this? How about I play Drake two series, then take him out and get let Ballage in, and in that series I let Gaskin come in for the third for the third down, right? So I go two on one off, two on one off. Well, that's a lot of teams do that now, unless you have a lead back. But you know, it is a team that should be trailing and playing from behind quite often. Yeah, this team is going to be playing. I mean, this team is terrible. This team is really terrible. You know that? They, they don't have one star. They have nobody, no star in the whole team. Kiko yeah. Alonso, Rashad Jones. I haven't checked. I wonder what their early over-under is. Probably, I would say, what, five, four and a half, four? Something I like will that say, range. I think Kyler Murray's uh, over-under for touchdowns, they said, was like, was it 19? 19, man. I take yeah. the over. Is it passing or total touchdowns? Passing. That's the thing because Ooh. he. That's that's the issue is that – He's probably going to score on the ground, and that's going to take away from some of the passing. But that's a low number in the NFL. It's a rookie, so they're probably doing it based on historical trends. Is where he they should get, get one number. touchdown a week. Come on, you would think so. You would think so. I mean, it looks. Remember, Doc, when it looks too easy. Stop, I know, right? <laughs> that's for sure. All right, we're going to come back. We'll look at the Knights late and Major League Baseball when we return right after this. If you've heard of WeatherTech floor liners, you probably know that for your vehicle's floor, nothing protects better. But what about protection for the rest of your car or truck? I'm David McNeil, founder of WeatherTech. Besides our floor liners, we design, engineer, and manufacture a wide range of automotive accessories right here in America. And just like our floor liners, everything is done to the highest standards possible. We understand what kind of investment owning a vehicle can be, so we do everything possible to help you protect it. We don't take shortcuts, and we never make concessions when it comes to quality. For everything from cargo liners to cleaning and detailing supplies to mud flaps and car covers, the one place you need to go is WeatherTech.com. So if you are familiar with our floor liners, just imagine how well the rest of our products will work for you. Learn more about our full line of automotive accessories at WeatherTech.com or call 1-800-CARMATS, WeatherTech.com. Proudly made in America. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. Fantasy. 
Keeblum can hit. They'll find a way. You can't rely on Ryan Zimmerman to even put anything else the rest of the season. Maybe Dozier plays first base with Matt Adams. So that's exactly what I was going to say. With Zimmerman's out, maybe Ryan Dozier all of a sudden winds up at first base. They're going to find a way. They did it with Juan Soto last year. They'll do it again. There'll be other injuries. So that's why I wanted to be aggressive with Keeblum, and I'm glad we were, and I'm glad it worked out, and hopefully he works out. Weekdays, noon Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. All right, we're back. You want to win at DFS, Ronas? Where do you go? ScoutDFS.com, right? Absolutely. You could be my rich friend. I need to be your rich friend, Ronas. It's about time. I need to have the big win. It'll be there. You know how it is. You just have to keep plugging away, and it's frustrating at times, but if you keep doing the same process that you believe in day in, day out, eventually at some point you'll hit. we got to remember, not a lot of people win the big prize. Everyone's mm-hmm. true. A lot of people will show off these screenshots and stuff, but a lot of those guys are putting in 150 lineups. I know. They're probably putting in 6K to win uh, to win that kind of money. But Chris Rose does the cycle. Steve Renner does the dongers report. So check out scoutdfs.com if you want to win big in MLB DFS. All right, let's take a look at the night slate, Ronis. I got my pen out. You're talking. I'm listening. St. Louis against Washington. Michael Waka 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 against Patrick Corbin. Eight and a half runs, Washington, uh, a slight favorite. I like Corbin tonight. Yeah, Corbin's been great. He was excellent in Coors Field. Now, St. Louis is a tough lineup, but uh, I'm not afraid to play Corbin in this spot. He's, he's been one of the more reliable pitchers this year. Uh, I know you you know, a little worried about the St. Louis lineup because they got some good right-handed bats. With Goldie, Osuna's been on fire, man, after the injury scare. He didn't play much in the spring because he was coming off shoulder surgery. We didn't see him in the outfield much. And then he went for an MRI, I think the second week of the season. Yeah, we were worried that he's going to be shut down. And yeah, and then the dude has just been mashing. So uh, it is a little bit of a scary lineup, but uh, I think you can consider Corbett tonight. I think he's one of the pitchers you can uh, put in your possibility of a play. Would you have paid aggressively for Carter Kaiboom? In fact, went for a lot of money in fact. Yeah, right? no. Um, I... I think it really, and I think was it. I think I talked about it on Friday show. Uh, it comes down to basically need and where you are now in Tout Wars. For somehow I'm being carried by my pitching. My offense has been a mess. Part of it has been injuries. And my one point, I had my entire infield on injured the injured list, and I just got back Murphy and Lindor, so that helps. But uh, my offense is still not doing well. So I felt like in that league I could use them. Uh, he's also a guy where we're just not sure what the long range is. You know, he's obviously going to play now. What happens when Trey Turner comes back? Uh, if Brian, Do- Brian Dozier has been picking it up a little bit lately, but they don't know anything to Dozier. He's on a one-year contract for $9 million, so they don't have to play him if Kiboom gets the job done. So there's a possibility that he does stick around, and a lot of times people are hesitant to bid on players like Clint Frazier and Daniel Volgerback because, like, oh, where's the playing time? If you hit and perform, you're going to be good. I did think the bids were a bit high, though. I think I went 143 in tout. I was the runner-up, but the winning bid was 235, and we did see a lot of three, 400 bids. You know, people are getting excited. All these young prospects that come up, we see a lot of them succeed, so people want to go out and get them. Uh, he was hitting towards the bottom of the order over the weekend, so I think it depends on how badly you needed something to jolt your offense, and the thing is, if you spend that money now and he is there the rest of the year, you get five months of them, so that's where... I, 
people are aggressive, but uh, I wasn't as aggressive as uh, some of the winning bids. No, I think it's a good gamble. Not a great gamble, but, but it's worth a gamble. I just, you know, I'm like you. There's a number that I had in mind, and I wasn't going to go over that number. So uh, let's take a look. Oakland against Boston. Frankie Montas, who's pitched pretty well this year against Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, nine is the over-under in this game, which seems kind of high. The A's, I think, are just a very good hitting team against lefties. They go Semyon, Chapman, Piscotti, Crush Davis, uh, Chris Davis, uh, Canna, Pinder, Loriano. I don't know if I'm playing Rodriguez tonight. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like Rodriguez in season long. I don't know if I would use him in DFS tonight. He was outstanding in his last outing. Uh, I know that the A's were a little quiet over the weekend in Toronto. Uh, Chris Davis has kind of cooled off a little bit, but they do have some big right-handed bats. Uh, but, but yeah, I think Rodriguez is fine, but not one of my top targets tonight. All right, let's see the next one here. Uh, Cincinnati against the Mets. Tanner Roark against Zach Wheeler. Uh, the Mets are favored, minus 160, seven and a half runs scored. I think I like Wheeler tonight. Talk me out of that, Adam. No, I like him. I used him last time out because uh, I mentioned, you know, you really what you want is a pitcher that can get you double-digit case, and he did in his last outing at 11, and uh, the Reds are on the road, and they just really have not done anything. Uh, I know they've changed the lineup again tonight. Peraz is back in the leadoff spot, and – uh, the Reds are uh, striking out a ton, and they just haven't been good, man. I thought this lineup would be better. I know the loss of Scooter Jeanette was big, but, man, it's just uh, been pretty bad for the Reds. So uh, I do like Wheeler tonight. All right, here's another one for you. It's uh, San Diego against Atlanta. Atlanta is a minus 179 runs is the over-under. Nick Marjavicious against Mike Soraka. I love the Braves against lefties, and I like Soraka. I'm all in Atlanta tonight. Yeah, I like Soroka as well. The one concern is the park. You know, it's a good park for the Padres, but uh, Soroka's, what, 86 on DK? It's not terrible. He's 92 on Fandle. So, yeah, uh, he's had two good starts. Uh, so, yeah, I like Soroka tonight. Yeah, I think that's a good play. All right, Houston against Minnesota. Justin Verlander against Jake over easy. Houston's a minus 180 on the road. Eight and a half runs. Uh, Max Kepler on fire right now, Ronis. Uh, do you like Verlander tonight? He pitched well against them the last time. Uh, yeah, he's expensive, but you can use him for sure. I, I don't know if you'll be able to afford him, depending on if you have enough cheap bats that you like. But he's always in play. Uh, Nelson Cruz is out of the lineup tonight. I'm not sure if it's injury or they're just giving him a day off. Uh, Kepler has been on fire. Kepler is someone I loved going into the year. Uh, in our preseason pro picks, he was my AL uh, sleeper for offensive players. And, you know, he had a way better year last year than the surface numbers showed. There was a lot of, when you dig under the stats, you could see a lot of improvements he made, including improving against left-handed pitching. Uh, and he's been on fire right now and uh, does have a, a tougher matchup tonight against Ferdinand, though. Do you like Houston as a stack against Overeasy? Yeah, Odorizzi has – look, he's very erratic, but, man, when he's off, he gets hammered. So uh, they pro they probably, I would think, would be popular, though. Yeah, I think so, too. All right, Colorado against Milwaukee. Kyle Freeland against Zach Davies. A very slight favorite is Milwaukee at minus 120, which is a little surprising. Eight and a half runs here. Can you make an argument for either pitcher, or do you like either stacked lineup? Yeah, I can't make an argument. I can't argue for either pitcher. Davies is just uh, too hittable, so not a fan of him. 
Freeland is a good pitcher, but I don't know if I want to take him against Milwaukee. Obviously, it looks like Christian Yelich will not be in the lineup today. He left yesterday's game against the Mets with lower back uh, spasms or lower back strain, and uh, the, uh, they said the likelihood was he wouldn't play today. It doesn't look like a DL stint. Uh, so I think you can look at some of the right-handed bats on Milwaukee, but I wouldn't use them as a stack. I think I might stack some Colorado lefties. Blackman, Murphy, Dahl, I could see that stack working. Yeah, and I do not think they'll be popular because people tend to stay away from the Rockies on the road. Mm. Uh, obviously, they have not hit well on the road this year, but this is a good ballpark in Milwaukee. Uh, Blackman's been on fire. I think it's 11 games now. He's reached base straight. All right, Baltimore against Chicago White Sox. John Ways and Means, who's been sparkling this year, against Manny Benuelos. White Sox, minor favorite of minus 135, eight and a half runs total. I think this game is going to be stacked, but I think this could either be like a 10-8 game or it could be 2-1, and I want no part of it. Yeah, I think it could go in that direction. I think people are going to look at Means because he's off to a good start. I know people were picking him up uh, because of his two-start week. It's still the Orioles, not a great defense behind him. Can he get the win? Uh, but he has looked good in a couple of starts. He's made three starts, appeared in seven games this year, and the number has been good. And Buenuelos, uh, uh, obviously, his last start was pretty good. All right, Tampa Bay against Kansas City, Ryan Stanek, and I think Jalen Beeks is going to come in for the uh, after that against Brad Keller. Keller's been pretty respectable this year. Uh, Beeks has been very good in it when he pitches his four innings. Uh, Tampa Bay's a favorite in this one, minus 140, eight and a half runs. Do you like either stack or either pitcher tonight? Uh, no. Are we sure it's Beaks today or is it Chirinos? I'd have to look and double check that I haven't looked. Oh, let me see. One moment, please. It's a good, very good question. Projected starters. I thought, let's see. Um, I don't know. I thought it was, uh, they have Stanek. Chirinos is pitching on Saturday. Pitching this Saturday or had pitched on Saturday? No, he's pitching. Let's see. No, Kansas City, right? The 29th. Yeah, so I, what I have here is I see Stan, what they have now is Stanek on Monday, Snell on Tuesday, Stanek on Wednesday, Morton, Glasno, Chirino, Snell. So you're going to see a, a Yarborough game and a Beaks game for sure. No, no, Yarborough was sent down to the minor leagues. Oh, then you're just going to see a Be Beaks game is going to be today or Wednesday for sure. All right, because I, I, I think it might be Chirinos today because I had him as a two-star pitcher. You think it's Chirinos? Okay, so then. I mean, I need to double-check to see when he last pitched, but I think this could be a Chirinos game. Okay. All right, I'm with you. If you say, if you say that, I'll trust you. I thought yeah, because they just said he wasn't getting the start on Monday um, because, uh, and that's why they're using Stanek as the opener. So I think it is Chirinos, but, you know, always double-check that stuff. All right, I got to find a website that just has that, or Mark Tompkin for uh, Tampa Bay here. Do you like Kansas City at all? Who would you play in this game, either team? Uh, I would not play Kansas City. I always find that their stacks annoy me because sometimes I like them, but you just can't rely on them ever. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, obviously, Merrifield is always in play as well as uh, Mondesi when he's going. Hunter Dozier's been on fire. I think, you know, you could look at him. I mean, he's just been playing really well, missed a couple games with the back spasms, but uh, I think Dozier certainly in play. All right, Dodgers against the four, uh, the uh, Giants. Kenta Maeda against uh, the Shark, Jeff Samarja. Dodgers minus 150, seven and a half run total. Do we like Maeda on the road? Yeah, I know he hasn't pitched great, but he hasn't allowed a lot of hard contact, and it is the Giants. So 
I know he's probably more expensive than he should be based on the numbers this year, but yeah, I think Maya is in play. What about the Dodgers stack against Samarja? Sure. I mean, Samarja has been pretty good. Uh, I don't know if it's going to last, uh, but yeah, Bellinger's been on fire. Uh, I don't know if I'd stack them tonight. I would want to see what the lineup is, see who's in there. But yeah, I mean, Samarja is certainly capable of getting lit up. This is one of those nights where I think I'm going to play less than you think because I think to me there's like a couple of stacks that really stick out, and if they stick out to me, they stick out to everybody, Adam. That is true. So, I mean, is there ever a time where you don't stack? Rarely because I think the numbers prove that you win by stacking. But what I could do is I could do a smaller stack, you know, you know, three, three, two, or, you know, two, 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 something like that as opposed to going four and four. Yeah, that's certainly something that I do at times as well. But, like, I think it's just a little obvious tonight. I think the Braves are a really good pick. I think Houston's a really good pick. Uh, you know, they're just uh, the Baltimore. I think on nights like tonight, you have to be a little contrarian. So if I can find a contrarian stack that I like, I might use that. But I, otherwise, I won't play heavily. Yeah, it is. A, what is it? A nine-game slate, I believe, tonight? So it's a sm- you know, less uh, team ten, to choose from. Ten? Is it one, nine or ten? Yeah. Maybe nine, you're right. But yeah, you're right. So you got to be very judicious because, you know, when these people have 150 lineups, they're going to get it right. So you got to be contrarian at pitcher or you got to be contrarian with your hitting stack. Otherwise, you're not going to win. That is for sure because a lot of ways to cover tonight. Yeah. All right. Were there any uh, significant things that you thought happened over the weekend in baseball in terms of injuries or things that uh, people might have missed during the during the weekend? Yeah, I think you have to keep an eye out for Anthony Rendon today. He has not played in six of the last seven games. He got hit by a pitch on the elbow, uh, not this Saturday, the week before. And uh, I think today would be a day for them to determine whether he either plays or goes on the injured list. Fernando Tatis had a hamstring injury. He tried to stretch for a play at second base and hurt the hamstring. They're saying it's not serious but you never know with hamstrings. So, so that's a, a big development there because uh, what they could do is move Will Myers to third base, Manny Machado to short, and that would certainly benefit those that have a guy like Hunter Renfro who has been pretty good when in there. I know not a great OBP, but he's flashed the power, had a home run over the weekend, stole a base. So that's another guy that you know could benefit with playing time. Uh so yeah, there, there's always there's been injuries every day. Uh, also, the uh, Rays are calling up Nate Lowe, uh, their top prospect, one of their top prospects. So he's going to get some playing time. They had Joey Wendell get uh, a fractured hand uh, a few days ago. So that's another guy that will be a pretty big waiver. Where do you think Lowe? Pl- where do you think Lowe plays? First base in DH. And so who do they sit? Well, from who? Because they have uh, Wendell going down. Wasn't Wendell second base or shortstop? Right, and they could uh, move uh, Brandon Lau there now. Oh, yeah. Because he was playing a little first base yeah. in DH. He's so, he's so important to that team. That's why you need guys who can fill in many spots. Even in your fantasy roster, guy, I have Lau and uh, Tout. He's so useful. Yeah, I mean, it's always great to have that position flexibility where you can move guys around. It just really helps, especially when you get injuries. And obviously, there's a ton of injuries right now, and you need that flexibility to move guys uh, in and out. So you have Lau and Lau. Even though it's spelled the same way. Yeah. Uh, Brandon is pronounced Lau, and then Nate is Low. Uh, interesting here. Would you st- w- I, th- See, that's where if you're playing DFS, if you play Nate tonight, you may get a, a little gem because this is where algorithms don't pick up how good he is. Yeah, and 
is he in? I hope he's in the player pool for because don't doesn't Fanduel have issues sometimes with that? They always have issues at some time. Yeah, so he might not be in the player pool. DraftKings is usually considerably better with that. Did you see if he was in the DraftKings player pool? I did not check yet, but I will check because uh, if he it is, is, you know, that could be a real cheap bat. Uh, and and Keller's not great either. Uh, I wouldn't be opposed to put him in my. Nate little- Low is thirty. Nate Low is thirty one hundred on DraftKings, so he is available. Watch at first base. Be, yeah. Watch, he won't be for Fangio. That'll be so embarrassing for Fangio. He, he won't be, probably. We've gone through this like so many times, and he's usually not there. It's so pathetic that he can't. That, that they're like a day or two behind everybody. But you can't. Say, you can't do that, man. He's not there in Fangio. Yeah, he's there in not, DraftKings and not on Fangio. How come your sites can't work the same speed? I, I don't understand why you just don't have most of the top prospects that can get the call in the system already. But here's my biggest problem, and it's for people like me, Adam, because if Nate Lowe hits a home run tonight and I'd want to use him, all of a sudden, Chipotle Attic or Big Papa Gates or somebody who has no idea who this guy is, all of a sudden tomorrow, he's on their radar because he had a home run. I lose my advantage. Right, and then he pops up in whatever algorithm. Or, right, or that, some that opto he, he, he puts in. Come on, it's not, it's not fair. No, I agree. you got to have him in the pool right away. You shouldn't have to wait because... It's not. It's not gonna. It's now. It's not fair for the people who are aware of him and want to get him in the lineup tonight. Right. I have a two or three day window to use this guy before everybody in their grandmother knows who he is. So it really bothers me. And even if he does nothing tonight, it it's you know the process was, was correct because you got someone who is cheap and uh, you want to take advantage of that since not everybody's gonna be onto him tonight. Exactly. All right. Real quick. Kettle Marte for Ross Stripling. Which side do you like? Marte, I mean, Stripling is not in the rotation right now. I think he will be again at some point. Uh, but I'm going to take the everyday at bat. But I think it's a, I think it's a fair deal because I do think Stripling will be back in the rotation. And I am a fan. All right, but you would take Marte. You like think he can go 2020 this year? I don't know about 2020, but yeah, I do like him this year. I have him in my home league, and he's been good. All right, who's coming in round uh, hour number two? Uh, no one. I'll be solo. All right, stay tuned for hour number two of Adam Ronas after this. This is Dr. Rosing. Be well and take care.